Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Jeff Henderson. Well, hello again, everybody. Welcome back to Launch University. Jeff Henderson here with you. And I'm, I'm also joined today by Shane Golden Boy Benson. And I'm saying Golden Boy because wow. he just came back from Hawaii. <laughs> okay. He got that golden tan. Now, I have a question. This is a really dumb question. How was Hawaii for two weeks? Refreshing is probably the best word. So. Yeah, and and I'm not I'm not ashamed to say I actually have a really good tan right now. <laughs> I love that. You know? So we should do a podcast called "How Do You Launch a Two Week Vacation to Hawaii." That that'd be that'd be a really cool thing. I'd like so, to do more of them. Yeah, that's for sure. So welcome back. Thank you. And today we're joined by one of our favorite people. Clay Scroggins is in the house. Hey, launch you. <laughs> How you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. So uh, we're going to talk about one of our favorite topics today, and that's leadership and. Uh, Shane, Clay's written a great new book called How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. And so it's about leading up. We're going to get your perspective on this. But this is a topic that you see in your in your business at Chick-fil-A uh, because everybody wants to be a leader, needs to be a leader. And so this is a great topic for us. Well, and I think it's a, a great topic as well because whether you're in a business of your own or you're part of a bigger organization, you're always launching ideas. You're trying to be a difference maker. And right. one of the biggest ways to do that is to learn this or how to lead up. So, Clay, I appreciate you being here and excited to hear more about what you've been learning. Glad to. And I'm excited to hear more about how to set your life up so you can take a two-week vacation to Hawaii. <laughs> so, if I get that We can tip, do a whole other podcast yes, on that. If I get that tip on this podcast, it will be well worth any time for any one of us. Yeah, so we'll, we might get into that. but uh, And we're going to do two things today. We're going to talk about the book, but then we're also going to talk about how Clay is launching the book. And this is Clay's first book. So for those of you that are thinking you got an idea, but I've never done this before, hey, that's okay. Welcome to, to the world of launching. So we're going to talk about that as well. But first, Clay, give us the premise of the book, kind of how it got here, and, and what you're hoping that people will learn as a result of this. Yep. Uh, I This book really is my journey. Um I work, obviously, Jeff, you and I work together. Uh, we do similar jobs. Jeff is the godfather of campus <laughs> pastoring in America. Um, Jeff's been doing it longer than probably anyone in America, but um, I've been doing it now for about seven years. And when I started in the job, I think part of being in a multi-site organization, um, which Chick-fil-A and North Point, both of those are, you um, when you're when you're given the keys to your own site, there's a feeling that comes with it that you're in charge of this church or campus or location or franchise, whatever it may be. And I just remember feeling so bewildered the first few months thinking, because I had so much anticipation, so much excitement, so much energy. And then after the first few months, I realized, oh, wow, I have more bosses now than I have ever had (laughs) in my life. And I don't have near as much authority as I thought I had. And so, through that whole process, I discovered a lie that I was believing. I was I realized that I had been waiting. I had been waiting to get more authority because I believed that once you had all the authority you needed, then you could start leading. And the more I have sat with this, the more I've talked about it, the more I've thought about it, the more I've realized that that's just not true, that you don't you do not have to wait on authority to begin leading, that you really can lead now. So I've got, um, we've got a friend that we work with named Justin who gave me this metaphor. He said, he said, my guess is this is the way you're feeling. And he's absolutely right. You know, at the grocery store, there's a little kid's cart that has a steering wheel on it. 
and it's shaped like a car. And our I've got little kids, and they love sitting in that steering. They love sitting in that cart because they get that steering wheel, and it's so fun to turn the wheel. Mm-hmm. And I'll play along. You know, they'll turn it left, and I'll turn the cart left, and they'll turn it right, and I'll turn the cart right. And then we'll go past the candy aisle, and they'll frantically be turning the wheel down the candy <laughs> aisle, but the cart will keep going straight. And they'll look up at me, you know, with this bewildered look, like, you tricked me. How dare you? <laughs> this thing doesn't work. And I think that's the way I felt. That's the way I felt those first couple months was, you gave me a steering wheel, and it doesn't work. How dare you? But the more I have learned, the more I have realized the, the steering wheel does work, but it doesn't work because of authority. It works through influence. And the truth is, whether you're an intern today, whether you're starting a business, whether you're in the middle of a business trying to figure out how to launch something new— you can have more influence than you even think you can have. And influence is what's going to allow you to be able to lead from whatever seat you're in. So that's the that's the big idea of the book. That's the premise of it. That's and when your kids look at you and go, Dad, just one piece of candy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just one. Just take us down influence. the aisle. Yeah, take us down the aisle. We won't even ask for it. We just want to see it. We just want to see it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. Well, that is so fantastic because, you know, I know this is true at Chick-fil-A. There's like, oh, if I was in charge, I would do this. That's right. That mentality can defeat you and actually hinder your leadership. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think all of us, it's fascinating. I I love this premise of the book because I think all of us are waiting for that moment to where we can be in charge. Yeah. Really, you have that opportunity in any position you're in because of influence. That's right. right? You have an opportunity to influence change. That's right. When you're actually not in charge. That's right. Now, we don't want to give... uh, too much of the book away because you need to buy the book, folks. But what are a couple of – say we buy into that. So now, Clay, what do, what do I do yeah. with that? So what I did was is I um, I just forced myself to sit down and say, well, what what am I trying to do? I'm, I'm trying to lead even though I'm not – I don't have as much authority as I think I may need. So, so what do you do if you find yourself in that situation? And I – I wrote down four behaviors, and that's really the that's the guts of the book. Are these four big behaviors that I think every one of us can start doing today to learn how to lead when we're not in charge? And the first one is leading myself. The second one is choosing positivity. Uh, the third one is thinking critically, and the last one is rejecting passivity. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the first two because they are they're probably the ones that we control the most. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, none of us are fully in charge, but all of us are in charge of the responsibility of leading ourselves well. And I know there's a ton that has been written on leading yourself well. And so I just was trying to add, here are my thoughts to the stream of all that's ever been written on leading yourself well. Uh, And then choosing positivity, Jeff, I don't know if you remember saying this, but um, when I first put this outline together, I sent it to you and you gave me some great feedback. And one of the things you said is you said, choosing positivity I think it's a little bubble gum, and I'll never forget that. And that wasn't very positive. <laughs> <laughs> but you're so right. It, it is bubble gum. And, it, and the reason why I think it's so important, though, even though there's probably a better way to say it, there's probably a deeper, more thoughtful way to say it, but um, all of us have sat in a position where someone has handed us an idea that we didn't get to weigh in on, but we're being asked to buy in on that decision and we're being asked to execute that decision and we may think well it's a stupid idea i wouldn't have i wouldn't have ever asked anyone to do this but yet we're having to execute this idea and in that moment we're faced with a decision am i going to sit back and watch this idea fail or am i going to do everything i can do to push this idea forward 
And the truth is that uh, the best idea is not usually what wins. It's getting everybody behind the same idea mm-hmm. that wins. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Chick-fil-A operators ha- are faced with that. There's, pr- there's probably stuff on the menu that they go, <laughs> I don't even like this product, but you're asking me to sell it. But the truth is if they would get behind it and the ones that do get behind it with positivity, they end up seeing it sell well, I would imagine. I mean, typically it's, it's fascinating. That positivity – genuinely equates to positive change. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's fascinating. That yeah. The momentum that can be created through positivity is, is generally positive in nature. Right. Um, right. I mean, you know, saying all that put together, I think having a leader that is challenging you through positivity actually kind of rallies people. It sure. really does. I mean, chapter one of Primal Leadership, Daniel Goldman's book, it's all about how the leader is the emotional guide for the team. And you can be that leader if you're an intern, if you're a middle-level manager, or if you run the company. And what is the opposite of positivity? It's I, I would assume it's negativity or maybe realism. And that's not the mood that is going to push a difficult idea forward. But it's, it's going to be people going, you know what? This is hard. This is uh, a challenge. There's obstacles in our way, but we're going to fight through. And we're going to push through, and we're going to, um, we're going to use the most infectious – the most infectious tool that we have, which is our attitude mm-hmm. to push this forward. And then thinking critically to me couples well with it because it's not turning your brain off. It's not saying, well, I'm going to bury my head in the sand and say, oh, everything's awesome all the time. Like those Legos on the Lego movie <laughs> that sing that song. Everything is awesome. <laughs> it's not awesome all the time. Sometimes there, th- there are things that need to be changed. And so to me, coupling positivity with the skill of thinking critically is a powerful synergistic opportunity for every leader. So I I love the way they play together. I love how you talk about thinking critically because expand on that a little bit. Well, to me, uh, thinking critically is a, it's a skill that's developable. You know, if if you feel like you're not great at it today, uh, if you're not great at finding ways to add value, then you can get better at that. And that's what I like most about it is that you really can, you can, you can sharpen the skill. Some people are natural. Jeff, I feel like you naturally, and when I sit in meetings with you, everybody's staring at a wall going, what color should we paint it? Jeff comes in and goes, should the wall even be there? And everybody goes, whoa, mind blown, like we need to change directions. You just naturally think of how to add value. Not everyone naturally does that, but I really believe it's a skill that you can develop. You can get better at it. And, and how, it, how would you, let me just take a yeah. pause there. It is it, for those listeners out there, or maybe folks that you're coaching. How do you coach to that? Like, what is a way? If I don't feel like I have that skill, yep. how would you coach somebody to go out and get it? Well, the first thing I would say is you got to find, you got to make room for it. And most mm-hmm. people don't have space in their calendar for it. Uh, mm-hmm. When I was um, when I was in my previous role, I was a campus pastor at one of our other campuses, and I made no margin in my life for thinking critically. There was no time in my day. I, I showed up at work five minutes before my first meeting started and I went wall to wall with meetings all day and then I went home and I never made space for me to sit down at a desk with an open notepad and say what am I working on today what am I how am I going to add value what meetings do I have today how am I going to be more prepared for them Um, even making space in my meetings that's been one of the 
best things for me is I've quit trying to stack my meetings right on top of each other. And instead, I've tried to make space in between them. And I'm an efficiency guy. I, I want to soak the most progress out of the day. But I've just learned that I've got to have 30 minutes in between a meeting. I've got to have a meeting end and I need to take a walk and let my brain clear. I need to process what just happened and I need to think through what's about to happen so that I can actually add value and be able to think critically to whatever the situation is. I mean, it's why most of our best ideas come in the shower Mm -hmm. because you can't get on your phone. I I heard a quote uh, years ago. It talked about creativity is simply – Somebody spending a little bit more time thinking about something there than somebody is. else. There That's it all is. it is. Yes. So this idea of of creating margins yes. where you can process conversations, yes. direction, strategy, creativity, wherever that is, is really the premise of what you're describing. That's great. And most you know, most people probably don't fancy themselves as creative people. But the truth is, if you spend a little time letting an idea bake in the oven it usually wins because most ideas haven't spent any time in the oven. Mm. And so even, I mean, we sit in meetings, Jeff, where anyone who brings a half-baked idea, that idea usually wins because everyone goes, well, you've spent a little time on that. That seems like that's a little, <laughs> right. that's already down the road. Let's Man, go and you're go creative. That that's right. yeah. You're so creative. Yeah. That's right. And then rejecting passivity is the last behavior. It's really just, um, it's it, trying to, trying to get under the hood of why is it that when I'm not in charge, my temptation is to sit back Mm -hmm. and sit on my hands or like Tal Cruz, throw my hands up in the air. Why is that my natural temptation? And I think the reason why is because when you're, when you're in charge, one of the great things about having authority is you can make the call. You can say, no, we're not going to do that. Or yes, we are going to do that. That's, that's, that is fantastic to be able to do that. And when you've sat in a meeting where everybody has said, okay, here's the decision we're going to make. We've made it, right? Everybody's good. Okay, go. Everybody puts their hand in the middle of the table. Decision on three. One, two, three, go. And then two weeks later, the boss swoops back in and says, no, we're not going that direction. If you have spent any time over those two weeks working on it, trying to put legs on the idea, you feel so defeated because you think, I just wasted all this energy and effort. Mm -hmm. I put a plan together. I was already marching down the road. You came in and canceled it or said no or changed directions. And that that creates passivity in us because it makes us think, well, I'm out of control. I don't have control over this situation, so I'm not going to be intentional. I'm not going to be active and work on this because they might come back in and squash it. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, is that those two weeks, even though that might feel like wasted effort, it was not wasted effort. You learned something. Mm -hmm. You worked on something that you may use later on, or you may have sharpened a skill that you're going to use later on as well. And so learning to just resist sitting back and being passive, to me, is 50% of the challenge Mm -hmm. of leading when you're not in charge, is I'm, I'm going to make myself pick something up. Is anybody working on this? No? Okay. Well, I'm going to put a plan together, mm-hmm. and I'm going to work on well, it. Well, you go back to you know this first principle of just being positive. I think sometimes in those situations, you know, just turning that and saying, okay, so we're not going that direction. Okay, what did I learn out of this? Because I, it, yes. instead of looking at it as wasted time, the positive approach is, okay, so what did I learn? What can I take forward? Yes. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, one of the things you've done in the book, which is so fantastic, is you've, you've given some great examples. And one of the examples that Clay's given is from our good friend Shane Todd about the Chick-fil-A milkshakes. I remember walking in to his store when I, I was working at Buckhead Church at the time, and I went immediately back into Chick-fil-A world going, what are you doing, Shane? You can't sell milkshakes. But tell us about that story, Clay, because I think it, you could just show what Shane did to follow those four principles. 
Yeah, and that, that's really what I did in the book. I mean, Jeff, I appreciate it. Jeff, you turned me on to Shane and told me about that story. And I went and uh, eventually met with Shane a couple times and then talked to Woody Falk, who was at the time the, I guess, the VP of menu strategy. Mm-hmm. So Woody would have been the one that could have definitely said, no, quit. I mean, Shane was selling a milkshake. <laughs> Before I still Chick-fil-A. don't know if that would have worked for Shane. I mean, <laughs> you could have told him no, it wouldn't have worked. Appreciate it. Let's keep going. Um, he was selling milkshake yeah, before y'all had yeah. rolled out the milkshake, which is crazy to me. I mean, that you know. I mean, he was literally like, you know, here's some ice cream. You know, like you kind of do it at home. <laughs> you know, you kind of mix it up. It up. It's like loved it. But what what I learned from him was number one, he was so committed to what was core for Chick Fil A. He was so clear on what was core and what was peripheral. And when I, the very first moment I asked him about the milkshake, he said, now listen, if this were a pizza, I would have never done this. He said, if this were wings, I would never have done this. But this is, it's, it's so close to core of what we're already doing because we were selling an ice cream that, that I, I felt like this was, this was fair game for us to work on. You know, there's, there, the other lesson in that is really if you go back to Woody Fogg, uh, my mom always had this saying, does it have to be a no if it can be a yes? And I think there is wow, a principle in awesome. here. If you are a leader, if you find yourself within yeah. leadership, oftentimes ask yourself, does it have to be a no if it can be a yes? Because what you can do is support folks that That's may right. feel like they don't have control, but you have an opportunity to go, well, you know what? Keep trying it. Try yeah. this a little bit yeah. more. And, and I do think that is an approach. It's kind of like your kids in the grocery cart. It's like, Dad, just one piece of candy. Does it have to be a no? Can you help? You're going to go down that aisle yeah. this time. <laughs> you are. Can you help no, those folks that you've had the honor to That's lead right. actually kind of work through some of this stuff so as a leader? Well so I think there's some other principles in there as well. And, you know, Shane is one of the – actually, you and Shane are one of the most – two of the most positive people. So in terms of choose positivity, I'm sure when Shane called Woody, well, Woody gets the call. Well, Shane is one of the most positive yes. people, one of the biggest fans of Chick-fil-A. So he's not going to pick up the phone and go, oh, what has Shane done now? Because he had such a track record. Well, and, and I mean, again, it's fascinating. He wrote a book about this. Kudos. He thought very critically about it. He really he, did. He had the steps planned out. Mm-hmm. He said, I don't have them all figured out, but I got this half-baked milkshake idea that I think could work. And matter of fact, here's what customers are saying about it. And when you get to that point, it's hard as a leader to look and go, ah, no, let's not move forward. I think you can take that idea and move with it uh, when you've thought about it a little bit more. When I asked him about it, uh, and Jeff, I don't don't know him near as well as you or Shane, no uh, no Shane Todd, but he, he feels like a tidal wave of positivity. I mean, he said he would call anyone you know he had a few people that he had built consensus with that could have squashed it and he said i would just call him and leave voicemails and say you're not going to believe this we sold a couple hundred today it was so amazing here's something a customer said it changed this mom's life she loved it her kids were raving they are huge fans they love it i mean just an onslaught of optimism and positivity which you know when i asked him about it he said well what does your boss want I mean, your boss wants you to be excited about what's happening. So it doesn't help you at all to go, hey, just wanted to call you and let you know things are not looking good and we're really frustrated <laughs> and we're really mad that you haven't given us an option to even make that. No, bring a lot of positivity to it. And I, it's amazing the way he did that. He communicated very strategically to me. He, uh, he did not tell everyone about the milkshake, I guess. <laughs> but he said he Shake told a few notes. people who he built consensus with and, and got them on his team. And then he told me about this story that was like the moment where – because the biggest fear, I guess, Shane, was that he wouldn't be able to make it quick enough and it would create yeah. a 
create a— Specifically in the drive In the drive through Yeah. So he said what we did was Tim Tassopoulos, who at the time, I don't know what his title would have been, but he's— He was Tim's over the, operations for Okay, and now he's the president of president Chick-fil-A. Of Chick-fil-A. So Tim drops in on a store, and Shane said there was this moment where I challenged Tim. I said, look, you make two Diet Cokes. And I'll make a milkshake, and whoever makes it faster wins. Wow. For the drive through <laughs> And he said, I chose it. He looks at me, and he goes, I chose Diet Coke because it fizzes a lot. And I was <laughs> like, yes! You set him up, you dirty dog. That was so great. And he said he beat him. He made a milkshake faster than Tim could make two Diet Cokes for somebody in the drive through And it was just the moment, to your point about thinking critically, he had such a clear plan, and had thought about it well enough, where he was able to say, look, it can be done. We can make this for a customer. So hit the pause. I want to go back to the title of your book. You know, how do you lead when you're not in charge? What we've just described is a story, a situation where Shane Todd ultimately was not in charge of menu strategy for Chick-fil-A, but how he led was That's through right. influence and critical thinking and yep. positivity. And you come to the table with your, your best thinking about what you actually think will help the organization. That's exactly right. And if right. the spirit of that is I want to help the organization. Yep. That comes through to your leader, and that's how you create influence. And that's clear in Shane Todd, I would imagine. Yeah, it is, absolutely. You feel that he, he doesn't want He, he has no agenda other He's than the success of Chick-fil-A or the, right. any, any company that folks are working for. If your agenda is the success of the organization, yep. that comes through to your leader. Yeah. And, and I think that really, you know, if, if you're in an organization right now with, you know, 10 employees or 50 employees or a couple hundred, what, what you do to try to help the organization is really going to be how you learn how to innovate from within an organization. That's what I'm finding, that the people in our organization that have innovated and come up with something new, you could tell that they were pure in it. They really did want to help the organization. There, there wasn't this fear of, oh, are they just trying to make a name for themselves? Are they hoping this will get them more followers? Or are they really wanting to make our church better so that we can serve more people? And that's it. To me, that is maybe one of the most crucial aspects of how to innovate from within an organization. So I think there's a key point in that. So if you're out there listening and you're part of an organization right now, you are literally in the best position to help the business. That's right. Because you're closest to it. You actually, if you put a little critical thinking to that, you can actually help the business more so than maybe any insider because you know the business. So I think that's a real advantage for those of you that are actually in an organization right Mm -hmm. now. That's fantastic. We we probably need to transition a little bit because I want to talk about how did you promote this book? Because you did some incredible stuff to promote this. And I, I know Jeff's talked a lot about how you've leveraged social media and, and those kind of aspects. So, but, And this is something for those of you that are, hey, I've never done this before. I'm launching something new. Well, that's exactly what Clay's doing. You, This is your first book. So tell us tell us about that. Yeah, I um, first of all, I couldn't believe a publisher. I mean, I was so floored that a publisher was going to publish this. So because I don't have I don't have a name. I don't. I work at a big organization, but no one knows me. I don't have you know tens and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram and Twitter. And so it was a that that was one of my biggest challenges has been okay. I, I'm I work for Andy Stanley. That's that's not nothing. That's something. But I'm not Andy Stanley. Um, I don't. I can't just put a book out there, and everybody's you know everybody's going to be so excited about to hear what Clay has to say. So we had to come up with a plan of what what are we going to do to try to 
get some interest in this. And so the the best thing I feel like that has happened so far is uh, the book is releasing in August of 2017. In May of 2017, we decided to put on a web event that was really, it was a free offering to help organizations and to help people learn to lead when they're not in charge. I also feel like the title naturally draws interest out of people, which I feel like is helpful. So there's a nice hook right up front. Um, there's a, the guy that is leading the group at Zondervan that I'm publishing with, his name is Stan Gundry, and he's been at Zondervan for 40-something years. He's 82 years old. He wow. is a legend in the publishing industry. And I'm on a phone call with him when we're first talking about this idea, and I said, hey, why did y'all choose, why, why are you interested in this? And he said, listen, he said, I see leadership books come across my desk all day long. The last thing this world needs is another leadership book, which I was like, that's encouraging. But he said, he said, but this is different because this is written to the people who aren't the senior leader, which is what that's that's what I felt compelled about. So that was encouraging. So I felt like that would draw some interest. And then the web event was basically a free event that we offered. And so I uh, I put together some interviews with anybody that I knew that I could get in touch with that would have a conversation about leading when you're not in charge. And then I went and promoted it as best I could to people in every organization I could think of uh, that Coca-Cola, Home Depot, Chick-fil-A, churches that I've done anything with, that I've connected with and just said, hey, would you have your team sit down and watch this event. It was uh, from one to three in the afternoon. And then the goal of the event for us was number one, create interest and give people something in the spirit of reciprocity, Mm -hmm. hoping that if we gave people something that they would return the favor and say, wow, you have given me something valuable for free. I want to now purchase the book. Mm -hmm. Um, And then secondly, to build an email list. So um, I didn't know anything about this, but um, I didn't know how much of a commodity an email list is, but we um, put on this free event and the with a gate on it that said you got to give us your email address and then you're going to get this two hours of free content. And people did it. I mean, people responded and we, we had to create an opt-in because so many people watched it with their team. And so they put it up on a projector and then they got a room full of 10 people and I needed every person's email address from that room. So we created a, a little tool. It was a, an influencer score that we created that was a questionnaire that basically allowed people to self-assess themselves on how they're doing, whether or not they're using influence or whether they're leaning on authority or waiting on authority. And that was helpful as well because it gave teams something to talk about. Mm-hmm. It just created discussion for teams, but it also, it was something that every individual person would want to engage with, whether they were the one, the administrator for the event or not. Um, so that that has created I think that's a so much point, momentum. Because you, what, you, what I hear in that is, you know, if you're trying to launch something, what is something that could potentially create a conversation with yes. either yourself or with the folks that you're around? Because then that gives, it creates interest in a product. Yes, that's a great way to say it. And again, back to the purity of just wanting to add value I felt very pure in the fact that I didn't have any trouble asking people to promote it because it was free and I really felt like it would be beneficial. So yeah. I think that's been one of the hardest things for me personally is I, I do I am I, I don't enjoy self-promoting. I don't I've never had to. I've never uh, Jeff, you've raised a lot of money, which is not self-promotion, but even that takes a lot of courage. I've never even had to raise a lot of money. So this was one of the most courageous things I've had to do is to ask people to be a part of this. 
And I had to get over that and go, do I really believe this is going to add value for people? And I do. I believe deeply that if people engage with this, it will help them. And that was a big part of my own journey is going, if I believe it'll help, then be courageous and ask people. Mm-hmm. And, and if they can engage with it and have conversations around it, then I think it will be even better for them. There, there's a key principle here, and it's fascinating that you actually referenced Jeff and being able to raise money. But you've, you've, I've always learned from you, raising money really is helping people see what the value is that they're going to get by giving money to a church or what have you. It's like you, you, don't, you talk less about giving money and you talk more about, let me tell you what this is going to do for you personally. And that's essentially what you're saying. It's like, hey, this is what this product can help you mm-hmm. do. And therefore, I don't, I, I'm like happy to tell other people. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you have to do the mental exercise. Do, do I believe this adds value? Do you, I believe that people will benefit from this? Okay, then why am I being shy about that? So that, that's, what you, that's what you have to do. Well, I think you've done an incredible job. What, uh, what would you say to those that would say, I've got you know, my day job over here, but I've got this idea over here. Have you been able to kind of balance all that? Because a lot of the times we hear, when do I, how, do I, how do launchers do all this? They've got these dreams and other projects. Mm-hmm. So any, any lessons you've learned in terms of just practical time management, I guess? Well, you know, we had uh, Chris Carneal runs an organization called Booster. And speaking of positivity, I've never met a more positive person, a more enthusiastic person than Chris Carneal. Yeah, he has so much energy. But he did a little – y'all were probably on it, I would imagine. But he he emailed about two years ago, he emailed about 30, 40 business leaders that he knows. And, and, I mean, we're talking from Dan Cathy to Cheryl Batchelder to uh, some pastors in the Atlanta area. And said, hey, what are the habits that you have in your life that have made you successful? And then he just put all that data together and kind of mined out the stuff that was common and came up with here's three or four things that all 30 of these people said, if you want to if you want to live a life where you're making things happen, getting things done, helping other people, here's what you got to do. So that was about two and a half years ago. So I asked him about a month ago to come to our staff meeting. I said, Chris, I don't want you to look at your notes. Don't dig all that stuff back up. I just want you to come and speak for 15 minutes on what you remember about what people said. What's top of mind on what all these people said this and you got to do it. And so he gave, all right, here's the three things I remember. And the first one was all of them get up early, (laughs) (laughs) which if you're not a morning person is probably really frustrating. Bummer. It's a huge bummer. But he said, you know, he said even he said it was one of the statements that people use. This was common. It showed up a couple different times was, um, you know, if it if it's got to get done, you need to do it before lunch. If it really needs to get done, you need to do it before breakfast. And. A lot of the, he said that that was common as well as you need to get up before the sun rises and because most people do their best work before the sun comes up. So that's been So for we're me. doing this podcast at 4.30 in the morning. No, <laughs> we're just right. kidding. We're not. That's right. For most people, that's not easy to do. And that wasn't easy for me to do until we had a lot of little kids, which has helped getting up early. But that's been the biggest thing for me is just getting up as early as I can. I mean, make it hurt a little bit mm-hmm. and get the day started and carve out that time to work on what's most important for the day and and not and to be ruthless about not giving it up. So I quit doing a lot of the breakfasts that I would do in the past. Um, I had to categorically say no to some things, some just random one-off meetings. And it's great because scarcity always makes us come up with what's most important. And so I feel like because my time became more scarce, it forced me to say, all right, what are the big rocks that have to go into the 
jar first. So it's actually been really helpful for That's my good. personal life. I feel like I've never been I've never been healthier with my just personal habits and behaviors mm-hmm. than than I have now because of what it made me do. I've seen Chris on Instagram uh, say, "Don't let the sun beat you up." Or something like <laughs> yeah, that. <right. laughs> that's but a good line. Insta- I, I, I spoke at Booster Nation, their big conference, uh, three or four years ago. It's the only time I've ever been required to do a stage dive. I, they, I, <laughs> and they passed me from that. the front to the back. <laughs> only Chris. You're Carter. not lying. <laughs> oh no, that's no, no. really I, true. I've got, I actually got pictures I can show you. So, <laughs> well, Clay, this has been fantastic. Uh, how can we help? How can we support? What can we do to go buy the book? Well, uh, you can go to claysgroggins.com and you can check out uh, some of the offers there. There's some bonus content that goes along with it. Um, or, I mean, honestly, I, I would just, if you if you feel like the idea would be helpful, then I'd love for you to buy the book and I'd love for you to tell somebody about it. I mean, that would be fantastic. And if you don't feel like it would be helpful and you don't like it, I'd love it if you wouldn't say anything to anybody about it. <laughs> That's what I'd love for people to do. Well, again, and thank you so much for taking some time yeah. because so many of us are out there where there's been a time or we're in a time or a season, we're about to go in season, where we're not going to be in charge. Yeah, that's right. You know, oftentimes, most of the time, we're not in charge, ultimately. Yeah. And so to have some of these principles and practices, I think it, it'll help so many of us. And uh, I, I hope you've enjoyed this as listeners as much as we have getting to engage with you. And um, good luck to you, and we'll continue to help you promote your book for sure. Well, thank you guys a ton. Yeah. This, is, uh, this, this podcast has been helpful for me in general, not today, all the ones you've recorded before this. So thank you. Great. ClayScroggins.com, how to lead when you're not in charge. And uh, for those of you that have yet to subscribe to the Launch University podcast, you can do that at all the appropriate places. I have no idea where David Farmer and Kevin Jennings are today. Are they playing golf somewhere while we're working? They've probably woken up early and got so much more done already in their day. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this little community. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped move you from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Find more great resources at launchu.net.